Hey, Pastor Susan. Hey, Pastor Joel. We're uh, here uh, with the microphone. Uh, gonna, we're going to be talking a little bit about the New Testament reading plan that we've been doing. Uh, by this time in the plan, uh, you, you, folks are wrapping up, I think, the first seven chapters of Mark. Um, and before we talk a little bit about Mark and those chapters, I wanted to say a couple things about reading plans generally. So I know that when I've done a Bible reading plan in the past, there are times when I've gotten behind, uh, especially truth, if you like, truth, right? right? Like if you yes. start, if you try to start with the Old Testament, you get into Leviticus, oh, yeah, and then the rules, the laws, <laughs> and then once you get behind, it's sometimes hard to get motivation to get caught back up because I, I know that for me, I I would always feel like I needed to do it in order, but I think that what I really want to start with, particularly since we're starting with the gospel and the gospel is all about grace. Um, I want to start with the idea that if you don't do a day's worth of reading, don't worry about it. Uh, start at the next day. Uh, what's it that Jesus says? Each day has enough trouble on its own. Mm. Um, tomorrow we'll worry about tomorrow. So, so you go ahead and, and take care of today. One other note is that if you're trying to figure out when to do this, I find doing it like while brushing my teeth, is really <laughs> easy and helpful because um, I know I'm going to brush my teeth in the evening. That's a creative thought. I never mm -hmm. thought about while brushing my teeth. Yeah. That's creative. Yeah. So that's, uh, know that you've got grace, know that there's structure that you can do this um, within. And uh, let's get into Mark. Let's do it. Um, what do you know about Mark, Pastor Susan? What's going on so with that? I dig Mark. I am excited that we're going to begin with the book of Mark um, in the Gospels because Mark is so well known for being a very direct author mm -hmm. who just gets right to it. But he also is really descriptive about both the life of Jesus and the life of disciples. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really fun to learn about the disciples in really concise ways who experience a whole range of emotions, experience, success, failures. Um, they just, we see it all. And mm -hmm. so I think Mark's a fun, although succinct, a fun place to get started. Yeah, very, there's a lot of stuff happening in Mark. It's, you don't get the philosophical Jesus so much. Um, most of the time when you're reading about something, it's about verbs, uh, which is really quite fun. And there's a lot of immediately's. I like that. <laughs> I feel like my life these days, there's a lot of right now and immediately and do this. And so maybe that's why I feel like it's easy to relate and connect to, to the Gospel of Mark. Now, some of us may not be reading in study Bibles. We might just be reading in Bibles that just have the text of Scripture. And so we might not have any sort of introduction to Mark. Um, one thing that might be helpful to know is that Mark may have been the earliest of the four Gospels written. Uh, it's sort of the rawest in that form. Um, some people will think uh, think that it was Peter who actually was the one who was relaying a lot of what was going on in Mark, which is why you have like stuff that only Peter and James and John saw, um, and that it was named Mark after his scribe John Mark, who was one of Paul's traveling companions. Uh, we don't know any of this for sure, but these are ways that people have kind of guessed at what's going on with Mark and how Mark got the knowledge. So one thing I have to just throw out because it isn't we don't talk a lot about the place of women in the early church and women in the gospels. It's, it is as it's, it's told, the stories are told by Mark and a lot of male scribes, but the, I think it's really relevant to name 
it's a lot of historians attribute that it was Mark's mother, Mary, who hosted the home church where mm -hmm. many of the first Christians gathered around the time of this writing. And in fact, they think it was her home where Peter came after he was set free from jail. So, um, he he came and relayed those stories and made quite an impression upon oh. John Mark. And then they think he he may have served as scribe in, in telling a lot of Peter's stories and, and traveling with him. So just to have to give That's that little awesome. shout out because it's Thank cool you. to hear the whole picture of how yeah. this came together. And I think around 60, 70 AD mm. in the city of Rome is where most of this was recorded. That is really cool. I know that Luke had some stuff about the women who supported Jesus, and it's really neat to see that it's sort of baked in mm -hmm. to Mark's narrative too. Mm -hmm. It definitely is. Well, I think that sort of what we're hoping to do is take on some of the passages that might like not be immediately obvious uh, to, to sort of bat back and forth some passages that as we're reading, we might find ourselves scratching our heads a little bit. Um, but I wanted to start with one that um, maybe didn't have me scratching my head, but it was, was sort of one that charged me to maybe be more like Jesus. And that's um, in the middle of all this action, as we've been talking about, Mark is immediate and, and you know, it's very verb oriented. In the middle of all this action in chapter one, we have this interesting point in verse 35 where Jesus just goes away for a minute. Uh, there's so much that Jesus could be doing. And one of the things that was so important to him was to step away from the whirlwind of tasks and to go and pray. And then like the crowds were looking for him and were a little bit frustrated because they couldn't find him, but Jesus was doing what he needed to do. Uh, and this is not just the call for Jesus, but it's the call for all of us as Christians, I think, to be able to invest in our spiritual life before we try and you know take on the world. Mm -hmm. And so cool that it's right there in the very beginning, in the first mm -hmm. chapter, that Jesus is modeling this and practicing this to show us, um, you know, the way that he also withdrew to pray. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. I also like as we continue through the chapters of Mark, um, I'll just also note the Mark can, I think, be divided. I think a lot of scholars divide Mark into the first and the second half, right? Mm -hmm. The first eight chapters of Mark really focus on the Galilean way. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of journeying and traveling. He's recruiting his disciples and working with his disciples in that time. Word is just beginning to spread about who he is. So in the second chapter, when we see Jesus um, heal and forgive sin, we see this important interaction where he is with um with a man who who is looking to be healed looking for healing and jesus mm -hmm. forgives sin at the same time mm -hmm. and really helps to i think take away the role of shame show that his role is to extend love in what at that time were often very surprising places mm -hmm. and to show the the warm and welcome love of christ that comes and is available for all of us so I appreciate that very much in the second chapter. Yeah, that healing of, of body and soul mm -hmm. was so cool. There's, um, you sparked something else with me. Uh, the, the the two chunks of Mark, 
um, where they're sort of bookended by the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is Mark 1.1. 1, 1. And then I think the only other time that that phrase Son of God is used is out of the mouth of the centurion at the foot of the cross. Surely this man was the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's this neat... I, I, what do scholars call that? It's the X, the chiasm. Is that what mm. maybe there's, there's a, there's a neat like bookending thing that it starts and it circles back around uh, to like a, a, a neat ending. Mm. But there's also a lot of healing that takes place mm. in Mark, both uh, in, in chapter two and, and also in chapter three. And it's healing that Jesus does on the Sabbath, um, which is uh, neat for a number of reasons that we, we have an opportunity truly to rest on the Sabbath, and that that starts in motion a confrontation where there's a certain understanding of Sabbath with the religious leaders that Jesus doesn't so much share. That Sabbath, um, I think that Jesus says in this, no, Jesus says right before this, um, that Sabbath was made for human beings, not humans for the Sabbath. Um, And it's on the Sabbath that we can celebrate and worship, which means healing in body as well as soul. Um, so the, there's there's the really neat passage at the beginning of chapter three where Jesus heals um, on the Sabbath. Does that? Yeah, I think moving forward to chapter four, we see the parable of the sower and his explanation of the seeds and the soil and what it is that brings growth. And Jesus ends that saying, "Let anyone with hear, ears to hear listen." And, you know, I think this has just been a curious text that many have looked at for, you know, generations. Mm. Um, And again, just as Jesus healing surprised people, healing on the Sabbath surprised many and the religious leaders. Um, Here, as he tells this story, he's really breaking the norms and the expectations of what people expected in the Son of God, Mm -hmm. what they expected in the Messiah who would come. Mm -hmm. Um, He's showing them it isn't all quite perhaps as you think it might be, right? He's kind of creating in them an opening to hear, hear God's truth in a new and deeper way and showing them that just as you thought it was all about following the law, like, you know, Jesus is going to blow that law out of the water, right? He's going to fulfill the law. He's going to expand it and and become it for all of us. Mm, Yeah. I I love that parable. It's and and parables generally, um, parables and healings, both, I think Mark, Mark spends lots of time with, and they're both, uh, paradoxes in, in, in their own way. Uh, like, um, we, we see later on in, in chapter five, um, there's this, there's this neat thing that Mark sometimes does where he'll tell a story within a story, very inception. Um, uh, and folks will call it a Markin sandwich, mm, which I is just, uh, it's, it's great. You've got right. the bread of the sandwich right. and then the meat on the inside. And, yeah. and, and, uh, Mark does this with, um, a, a woman who has been bleeding in chapter five, along with um, a, a leader of the synagogue, uh, uh, his daughter, um, and wanting to, both of them wanting to be healed in some way. And there's this neat playing with the number 12 that happens there, where the daughter is 12 years old. The woman has been going to doctors to try and find healing for 12 years. Um, and when, when you see these sorts of similarities in, in two stories that are sort of baked within one another, there's something going on with both of them. 
Um, I, I don't know if scholars think this about the number 12 here, but there's something about old covenant, new covenant happening, perhaps, where the new covenant is being brought forth is, is, is the healing of, of, of the old covenant in some, some respect. Um, sure. That, you know, think about the 12 tribes of Israel, right. right? And that it is another way that it kind of draws in the whole of our story and shows the opportunity for Christ to heal all of the world. This is what, what like blows my mind when we spend time with scripture is that it's not only the story on the page, but the way that it reads us mm-hmm. too, the way that it interprets what's going on in the world. And here you've got um, Mark making like, I, I don't know how much he intended to, but he's making a meta point about like, what is it that Jesus came to do? Not only did Jesus come to heal this woman, not only did Jesus come to resuscitate this girl, um, bring her back from either the brink of death or death itself, um, but also then to take what God had created and restore it. Um, and it, that you can get all that from one story is just so cool. Um Bible's neat, Pastor Susan. It is very cool. <laughs> yeah, there's so many layers to it. And I think from even, you know, from different points in my life, I as I read it with different lenses on and approaches, I am able to get so many different things from it, which is why, you know, the, the cloud of witnesses is really, is really powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, and, you know, as you talk about the detail of the 12 years of the hemorrhaging woman and the 12 year old daughter that carries through in chapter six and the feeding of the 5,000, all that attention to numerical detail, even when they, you know, describe all those who are fed and they were sitting on the hill in fifties and hundreds, you know, like Mm -hmm. how, how is that type of specific information, you know, remembered, recorded and valued. And yet um, it's so cool to see in the text the big picture and even when you get down to the details to see that you can peel off the layers of the onion and see all the different parts of it. I think Mm -hmm. that the feeding of the 5,000 is, you know, probably one of the more well-known texts uh, and, you know, it's just, it's such an easy Sunday school text and such a delightful text to to hear and remember, right. That, That here is, um, Here's the young boy as Jesus is teaching. Here's the young boy who takes um, takes the little that he has mm-hmm. and is so generous and willing to share it. And Jesus somehow miraculously is able to take it, multiply it, and feed all who are present. Such a beautiful way. And again, Mark is pointing towards the way that this Messiah is coming and is breaking into this world to bring forth the kingdom of God. And that this is a picture of the coming of the kingdom of God that Jesus is bringing to bringing to us. And, you know, that's what I want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. That's that feast on the hill, that learning, the teaching, the sharing, the, um, the joy of it. Mm-hmm. I, that is a delight to be a part of it. Well, not to, not to belabor it too much, but the, the fact that Jesus doesn't just with a snap of the fingers, bring the loaves and the fish mm-hmm. out from nothing. He, I'm sure, you know, he could have, but uh, invites the boy to participate in this mm-hmm. miracle. And then like, you know, not only does Jesus make enough so that everybody can have like a little bit, but like so much that there's like mm-hmm. 12, here's right. that number again, right? Yeah. 12 baskets left over mm-hmm. of bread and fish. I, I imagine the disciples probably had food for days <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that Jesus is here 
to care for us mm-hmm. body and soul. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah, neat. Mm-hmm. But this is a good way actually to look at the disciples, as you mentioned, you know, because Jesus or the disciples began not knowing, you know, they began, it shows in all honesty, they're not sure how the situation is going to be solved. Mm-hmm. And, and um, Jesus so quickly, you know, is able to find the solution. It shows the role of Christ in the coming of the kingdom and the disciples who are named and identified and they're part of the gang, right? And they are totally imperfect like everybody else. And that's just part of the deal. Thanks be to God. We're, we're all, we're in it together. And uh, speaking of being in it together, as we look to chapter seven, uh, we see in verse 24 and and following a a woman uh, who's a Gentile coming up to Jesus and basically asking for help. And this is an it's an interesting story, and I don't always know what to make of this. Um, I, I don't know whether to like dunk on Jesus a little bit for maybe having a grumpy day Mm -hmm. and calling this woman a dog. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, maybe it's Jesus way of holding a boundary. Uh, But, but there's, there's some stuff going on here where Jesus names that, okay, I'm, I'm here to care for the people of Israel. And, and she suggests, you know, yeah, but even dogs can eat of the children's crumbs. There's this deep faith that she's willing to have and willing to push mm-hmm. Jesus into, you know, caring for for her as well. Um, and I, I love, I love that the, in in the ending of uh, of the story, Jesus does, you know, take care of uh, her and and you know, cast the demon out of her daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's interesting to see his interaction here. It seems not like the Jesus I imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, this is one of the benefits, I think, of reading through all the Gospels is encountering those hard stories. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but see come to this text every time and like laugh a little bit because this was one of the um, texts that was given to my year of seminary students that was a part of the ordination exams. No way. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it makes me choke even now. <laughs> Right, uh, um, but yeah, all of our class we were given this in Greek and then asked to translate and um, you know exposit and write about this kind of on the spot. You don't know what is going to come, and this is the one that they brought for us that year. But uh, it was the lowest, um, lowest degree of of people, you know, the highest failure, the lowest degree of people passing that had ever happened for ordination exams, because I think it's just a good example. Like even with seminary education, the reality is there are some texts that are awfully hard to know what to do with, Mm -hmm. and we can research it and read about it and inform ourselves and learn together. But I also think that's okay to Mm -hmm. let there be texts that are Mm -hmm. hard to know how to read and how to let them read us. And yet, still come believing that in the whole there's good news that will help us be changed and help us know God in this process. Mm. And what is faith? That's a doozy of a text to do an ordination right? exam on. Holy it, cow. It was. Um, wrapping up our, our conversation today, uh, w- some of the questions that uh, we invite you to ask over and over again as you're reading through the New Testament are, uh, what is God's good news for me? Uh, how does this particular passage of scripture encourage me to live differently? And, and what is one word from this passage that resonates for me? And so I, I wonder if we might try to speak a little bit to those questions wrapping up in the next five minutes. Um, 
where would you say, Pastor Susan, is uh, uh, God's good news for you in this first chunk of the Gospel of Mark? So, you know, I, I think I, there is a lot of good news for me in the immediacy of this, that it, in the very beginning, Mark launches right in to say, um, you know, this is the Messiah, mm. whereas uh, Matthew, Luke, and John spend much longer in prologue. Mark just jumps right in to say, this is the Son of God, and to begin to tell the stories of the disciples growing together. I think there's a lot of good news for me in the first chapter, as you pointed out, mm-hmm. in Jesus taking time to pray, right? That even yeah. in all of the miraculous work, maybe it was hard for him, maybe it was easy, I don't know, but he did yeah. it. And all of the teaching and parables, the turning you know, perceptions upside down and working with the um, religious leaders of the time, in all the people he interacted with, that there's, there's time for Jesus to stop and pray mm-hmm. and to step away and and that's really good news for me that mm. I too am called to have that time and invited into that time to step away right. and just be with Jesus. Mm. What about for you, Pastor Joel? Yeah, I, I love how God seems deeply concerned, not only with eternal salvation, but with making the world whole now. That shalom isn't just a then and there, true peace, true wholeness, but it's also a here and now. Um, And that each time Jesus heals, each time Jesus provides, it isn't just, and your sins are forgiven. It is that. Um, but it's also now get up, take your mat and walk. Mm. Um, and from the tradition, the tradition I come from really emphasized the, the, the spiritual, um, perhaps more so than the physical. And, and both mm. are essential to emphasize because mm. Jesus, too, had a body mm-hmm. and a soul. Uh, and so I think we're called in the same way. The, the, the good news is not only that we're called to care for body and soul, but that God cares for us, mm. body and soul. Mm-hmm. So how does this chapter or this set of chapters encourage us to live differently? Hmm. That's a good question to think about. I really appreciate the opportunity to come to the text with these questions Mm -hmm. and just to learn that habit of coming, whatever it is that I'm reading, to come asking, what is the good news? And how does this invite me to live differently? Mm -hmm. Right. how, you know, I think it's so easy to look at texts and read it historically or to read it as kind of a moral moralism, but to really make it real is a, a different ball of wax sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate the questions. How is this good news for me? How does it encourage me to live differently? I think as I look at, um, as I look at Mark, you know, I, I think I really come back to the my answer to the first question. I think that one of the most courageous and different things I feel invited to do in my life of discipleship is to take time yeah. for prayer and to take time in rest. I, I think time is one of the most valuable commodities in my life mm-hmm. today. I realize how fortunate I am to be able to say that. And um but it just, it it is a reality. Time is something I, is always tight for me. Mm -hmm. And so it encourages me to take the time to stop and to just be in prayer and Mm -hmm. be in rest and, and receive 
nurture through God and that rest yeah. and prayer. What about for you? I think I find myself gravitating toward that same portion, that, that piece of, of chapter one. Um, I've been working with a spiritual director and when I met with her the other day, I had to tell her, yeah, I didn't do a whole lot of, you know, centering prayer over the last month. She's like, it's really important you do that. <laughs> you are a pastor. I was like, yes, no, you're right. And and I need to make sure that I make time to, to be present just with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if Jesus can make time to do that, I probably I can make time to do that. I'm not the savior of the world, <laughs> but I, I just, I think it's so counterintuitive to the point that the heading in my Bible in Mark 1 before verse 35, it doesn't call it Jesus takes time for rest. It calls it a preaching tour in Galilee, (laughs) which like, yes, Jesus does start preaching in Galilee, but what an exercise in missing the point, I think. Mm, Um, True. by, By our faithful, you know, reliable interpreters, yes, but like, come on. Um. And so I, I think that I, I put the, the onus on you to go for th- the last couple times. And I, I kind of know where the resonance is mm-hmm. for me in this chapter. Um, and it's this, this idea of healing, um, that, that we are invited into healing, uh, not only in body and in soul, but also in sort of our list of priorities. Um, that God takes that and gently rectifies <laughs> and, and, and makes it whole in a way we didn't even know we needed it mm. to be. And, and seeing Jesus um, over and over again healing people, um, I think, is, is an invitation. You know, how, how now can I be healed by mm. Jesus? So that, that one idea, that one word kind of resonates. Mm. So I think... I think when I when I think about re- what resonates, I'm I'm kind of torn. I'm looking through the text now to, to like think through, because but I for to see where it lands because the word that stands out to me when I think about it is with right. It's Jesus mm-hmm. with the, the disciples. Mm-hmm. Jesus with those with the hemorrhaging woman. Jesus with the uh, the five thousand. Um, so yeah, I think. When I think of what stands out, mm. I think about, you know, this is the son of God who is with us. Mm. And these first seven chapters tell us, they just invite our imagination to really remember and to think and to um, to dream about what it must have been like and to see, the, see how God is with us in our lives today. Mm-hmm. Love it. Thank you so much for chatting about this with me. And I'm looking forward to hearing what other folks have learned in reading through the New Testament. Um, I'll catch you next week. See you, see you next week. <laughs>